time for your weekly dose of Wayne's Comics. Welcome to episode 449 of the Wayne's Comics Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. This week I have a special interview with Mike Mayhek, the creator of Cleopatra in Space, a wonderful series of graphic novels that focuses on the historic Cleopatra, but she's in a different location and in a different environment, and that she's in the future, and she has to adapt to a very unusual circumstance, and she has to take on evil at that time, and a prophecy that has her being a hero, and she's not sure she can live up to that. Mike, of course, is the basic creator behind the whole series, writing and creating art and many other aspects of the series, which we talk about, as well as how the book came to be and what kind of things we can expect now that the series has come to a satisfying conclusion. We talk about the reaction to the series, as well as what other projects we might see from him coming in the near future. So I'm sure you're going to enjoy what he has to say. There's a lot to get to in this episode, so let's get on with the show. It's great to talk this evening with Mike Mayhack, who you probably know the best from Cleopatra in Space, an award-winning and engaging book that has been coming out from Scholastic, and the sixth volume and conclusion has just come out, which I loved, and of course I love the whole series. Uh, how you doing, Mike? I'm good, thanks. Thanks for having me. Well, it's good to talk with you. I got a huge kick out of some of the stuff that I read a little background as to how this book came to be. Now, I always have to say, and people on this, who listen to my podcast know, I'm big on strong female characters, especially in the lead role. And I can't think of a stronger female character than Cleopatra. <laughs> so I think that's such a cool thing about this. And I was reading in the acknowledgments at the back of the sixth volume, and you talked a little bit about how this came to be. And I thought I'd read just a, a quick part of it, and then I'll, I'll get you to tell the rest of the story. It says, 13 years ago, I drew a picture of Cleopatra. I surrounded her with stars and planets, gave her a space helmet, a ray gun, and a space suit wearing cat. I wrote the title Cleopatra in Space above her head and then moved on to other things. And it went on from there. Do you want to talk a little bit about how this all came to be? Sure, sure. Um, yeah, I was really, I was part of this um, kind of arts collective. Uh, this is a little bit, you know, before social media had really taken off. Um, there were forums and things like that. Uh, but it was just a, really a bunch of different uh, artists from around the globe. And it was curated by this one guy who would just give us a topic every couple of weeks. And what, it could be like, you know, Spider-Man, a pirate, you know, the Hulk or something like that. And we'd all just kind of give our interpretations of those you know, that subject matter or that character, which is really fun because we all sort of came from different backgrounds or we had uh, really different eclectic styles. And so you just never knew <laughs> what, what people were going to come up with. And 
generally, I, I just tried to be be kind of funny. Uh, like my goal was just to make everybody uh, part, that was part of the group to just kind of make them laugh. Uh, it wasn't really too. I guess I wasn't too confident with my artistic ability at the time. So I thought if I can at least um, put a smile on some faces, that would be mission accomplished. So, but yeah, I just, one day it was Cleopatra and I drew this image of her in space with the title, you know, uh, Cleopatra in space about the top of it. Uh, and my, you know, part of the um, uh, artists that were involved in it, he, we were on AOL instant messenger. <laughs> how long ago this was and he told me like you gotta make that into a comic you gotta make that into a comic and uh, i didn't have any comic ideas for it you know it was just this one-off kind of goofy drawing but two years later after you know continuing to kind of sort of sketch her and think about where she came from i just you know eventually started making a comic cover <laughs> that's great because the way that it's described in the the afterward acknowledgments it says that your your wife came up with the notion of a space bike that looks like a sphinx. Yes, and yeah. all credit and, is to her for that. Yeah, so it's got and, and talked about uh, the cats and stuff like that. And so this, it, it's interesting that this kind of blossomed. You never know where a real good project is going to come from. So I got a kick out of this. This started out as a drawing, and it just kind of mushroomed. You know, the more people saw it, the more they liked it, and it turned into this this wonderful thing that has really you know, blossomed, I have to say. It's been a great thing. Now, I wanted to tell the story of how I became acquainted with Cleopatra in space. You are a con. Um, I, say, I, I see what more cons maybe the thing to say. And I saw you for the longest time and I kept seeing you around, but I was always out of money when I came across your booth. So I didn't buy it, even though I was intrigued by it for several conventions Finally, I think it was Baltimore, and the fifth book had come out. And I said, I've got the money. I've got the time. Let me go ahead and get those. So I got the five books, and I knew six was coming. And so I sat down, and I could not put them down. They just shot from one book to the other, and I was so grateful I had them in front of me. And, of course, when I hit five, it was a crash. I was like, oh, my gosh, now what? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Five ends on such a kind of a – I don't want to give it away the ending or anything, but it does kind of end on sort of that, you know, that Empire Strikes Back sort of ending where it's like, oh man, <laughs> I, hope it's, I hope this isn't, I hope this isn't how it all ends, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I was hooked. I had to, you know, keep up with it. I kept following it, and I on Amazon finally it showed up on there that I could order it and I could and you know pre-order it and wait for it to come, and I couldn't wait for it to come. I, I was once I got it, I pulled it out of the thing and I started to read it, and, I, and I, again I could not put it down. And I got to the end. And I have to say, I wanted to say that the ending I really loved. Usually these kinds oh, of stories don't have an ending that I like. This one I really liked. I I, I thought oh, it was a great ending. That. Thank you. Because you know, I, so many times I get we get these multi-part epic things, and it starts out with great promise, and everything goes along, and then we get to the end, and it's sort of piffed. And I was I, I was <laughs> you know, yours did not do that. I have to say it ended superbly well. I I I was oh. just I could not stop reading it and then the way that i I don't want to spoil it but let's just say when you get to the very end it ends in a way let's say that there you we might if you don't do anymore our imaginations can supply some more (laughs) with cleo right so i love that that. Mm -hmm. i love that i mean well let me ask i mean do you have more in mind 
No, I don't. So, I don't have any more for for actual Cleopatra. I there's. Uh, I mean, I do, but I'm not going to. I'm not going to like. The whole point was to kind of leave it off into other people's hands. But um, I have a backstory uh, of both Antony and um, Yosira, um that one day maybe I'll tell. Um, I just could not fit them sort of like kind of gel their story. Well, I couldn't really with, with one of those characters cause it would have been a huge spoiler, but uh, you know, to just to kind of, it would, it was taken away from, from Cleo's story and to just kind of go back and even forth from the two things. So I was like, you know, maybe uh, I, I thought I might get to it in the sixth book, but it just, it was disrupting the entire flow. And I tried to, I tried to squeeze in there a couple of times. And every time it was just like, like when I was, you know, it's like compiling a soundtrack. It's like this one song that you really want to have in there, but it's just the the, the rest of the um, the flow of the the album is just not gelling. So I had to I had to keep taking out. So I was like, well, maybe um, maybe I'll just you know tell this story another day, you know, something else. Yeah, but who knows? You know, it's it's uh, it's fun to kind of you know kind of say goodbye to it and then also kind of leave it into other people's hands and. Uh, let them tell their stories with it. I feel like that's usually how stories grow is by sort of uh, letting go of your of your uh, connection to it and just sort of letting somebody else kind of take the reins. Well, you know, it's interesting you say that because Cleopatra in Space does have other people working on it. I, I was interested when I it came across my, my feed on Facebook that Cleopatra in Space is an animated series on the Peacock streaming service. Which, of course, got me to – I had to run away, subscribe to it so I could watch the episodes. <laughs> and I really liked them. And, you know, I, whenever I talk to creators who get stuff optioned and things happen, not everybody, let's say, is happy with how it turns out. But what I've read of what you said about it, you seem to be pretty pleased with what they've done, even though they've made some changes. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm thrilled with that. In fact, I'm glad they made changes. I think I would have been – yeah, but I think I would have been more upset with it, um, or upset with it at all, I guess, uh, if uh, if it was closer to the material, because I just would have noticed all the things that were different about it instead of uh, what you know all the amazing changes that they made instead. Um, I'm able to watch the show as just a fan of what they created, uh, and. There's so much stuff that I feel like they even did better than what I did you know, in, in a lot of ways. So that was kind of fun to watch as well. Um, but yeah, usually, I mean, you already have the comics and to, you know, it's it was intended to be a graphic novel in that format. So to take it and put it into like a different medium and try to tell the same story, I think what just would have just been very dull, you know, or, or just wouldn't have worked out too well. I think when you change mediums like that, you really do have to kind of fit the mold of what story you're trying to tell within that, you know, within those, those boxes and stuff. And so as a, you know, as a animated series, uh, I love the idea that they're just uh, taking time with her at school, which is a lot of what I sort of wanted to do if it was more of an ongoing series rather than, you know, like, uh, and, you know, a monthly series rather than like a sort of a graphic novel thing. So it's really fun to watch. Well, I, yeah, I'm thrilled with it. I, I enjoy it. You know, as I watch it, I, I get a kick out of it because, you know, the, I think the Cleopatra character is pretty similar. Of all the ones, I think that she's the one that's most like the books, it seems to me. Did you feel oh, yeah. that as well? 
Oh, yeah. In fact, I, I feel that even though maybe, you know, some of the storylines are different and maybe it's a little uh, a, a bit more comical, uh, which is good. <laughs> I'm glad it's more comical. Um, I feel all the personalities are, were just right on track for what for what I want, you know, for what they were in the books. Um, if anything, they're just heightened. You know, it's the same the same personality, just a little bit more heightened. Uh, Brian's a little bit more neurotic, but he's still... Even in the books, he's not the type that's going to rush into a mission. <laughs> he's not going to mm-hmm. rush into action, and he's you know just the same that way. And Akila's perfect. I mean, I just I love Akila was always my favorite character to write in the book. Uh, I always had more of an affinity to her, um, and to see her just they just got her so right. And it, it she's not an easy character, I think, to get right, and and they did. And um, so right right off the bat, when they were showing me stuff and. Uh, even, you know, even the voice acting and all that, I was just, um, just really, really happy with how it all turned out. Yeah. Mm, well, and, you know, I, <laughs> glad that, glad that DreamWorks had the reins to it, I guess. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, let me tell you, cause, uh, you know, like I said, I've interviewed people who, when some people get their hands on their stuff, they like want to wash their hands. I mean, why don't they just take the title off? It's nothing like what I you know, originally did, but yours, I, I think yours is just a good example of how to take something and even make it maybe, I, I don't know if they could say it's a little, it's better, but it's, I think it's better suited for the animated medium. Right. You know, like yeah. that. Yeah. So and it's, it's good, very so. much, I mean, I think fans of the books will still like the show and fans of the, the uh, show will like the books, but they'll just kind of get different things out of them, which is just, you know, it's, there's more Cleopatra in space there for everybody instead of just, you know, one, you know, one storyline, which is nice. Uh, that's the beginning of a franchise when that kind of stuff happens. <laughs> so, you know, maybe you don't have other one things to do, but maybe when these guys get done, I could see an animated movie or something coming with yeah. this. Oh, that'd be neat. Yeah. Whatever anybody wants to do. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well. It's fun to be kind of, uh, a, you know, after having worked on Cleopatra in space for, you know, over 10 years, I'm at this point now where it's nice to kind of see it in somebody else's hands and just kind of watch it as a fan instead of um, <laughs> having to worry about what, what I'm actually going to do <laughs> for the next book or, you know, uh, how well that that's going to be received or, or any of that stuff. Now I can just kind of enjoy it and uh, move on to new stuff. That's, that's cool because you see your experience is something not many comics creators get to have, you know, you get to see your, you know, your children basically, you know, grow up and go into somebody else's hands and move on to something else. And so I think that's a, that's a, an, a really interesting experience. And, and, and I'm so glad it seems for you that turned out really well. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Pretty cool with that. Now I want to step back a little bit because uh, I, I want to talk about the books primarily. I was reading some some talks about the, the books themselves, and I saw this really wonderful quote from – it looks, sounds like Raina Telgemeier from New York Times, author of Smile. She said, Cleo is a fun, fearless heroine. I'd love to explore the galaxy with her. And I love that quote. I, I was just kind of curious. You know, you explained how you got into Cleopatra. Did you do much research into the character, or did you – you know, how did you – you know, you, you talked about that Akila was the one that you really liked, the girlfriend. What was it about Cleopatra? How did you approach her character? Well, honestly, it was really just, I drew that one image, you know, that I talked about earlier. Um, mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I started 
thinking about, I always knew it was sort of the actual Cleopatra in space, but I didn't actually know a lot about Cleopatra. I honestly didn't know a lot about Cleopatra, but start, when I started thinking about uh, how it would work as a story, that's when I went in and started doing a lot of research. And, um, you know, I, I got some library books and did some uh, online research. And I even had a few books that I owned like, uh, on ancient Egypt. <laughs> I was kind of flipping through too at the time. And doing that research and kind of giving an, an idea of what kind of, um, not so much the history of Cleopatra, but who she was as a person, like what kind of character mm-hmm. she would be. And then mm-hmm. taking the elements that I thought would work and kind of pulling what I would work and kind of twisting them and changing them for like a, a fantasy element, but also for kids. I, I sort of, that's where her, that's where her personality sort of developed. Um, just kind of taking all of those things and, but it came pretty, I mean, it, it gelled pretty quickly. The initial web comic was almost sort of like this, uh, Buffy the vampire fan fiction. Uh, mm. a lot of the characters were very, uh, derived from the, from, from that series. So Cleopatra was very much the Buffy, like the, the you know, the, the reluctant savior, you know, that has to, you know, defeat, um, you know, the, the, the evil in the, in the world. And then, you know, Akila was very much like Willow and, <laughs> and Brian was very much like Sandy. So they were all very, uh, even like, you know, Kensu was sort of the Giles of the group and stuff. And so they were, it was all very much sort of came around that and uh, combined that with things I wanted to tell, like a, like a sort of a Starfleet Academy type environment <laughs> And mm-hmm. um, sort of the vintage Buck Rogers kind of vibe and feel and just meshing and smashing all those things together with ancient Egypt. And it just kind of um, kind of evolved and developed over the course of the webcomic until it was pretty well defined, I think, by the time that I started working on the graphic novels. Yeah, so interesting because, you know, the only other science fiction I, I can remember that dealt with like Egyptology kind of setup was Stargate. And so I actually really enjoyed the fact that you went that route and, you know, her, her bike is like a Sphinx and, you know, the, yeah. in the future that in the future she's in, she's actually there with cats. There's a lot of these cats that are, are you know, of course cats being revered in Egypt culture and stuff like that. I really enjoyed the way that you handled that and made those things work because it was something different from that I'm used to reading, you know, because a lot of the times to get the Egyptology, they don't get into like the everyday parts of it. And so to see you do that and to actually have her character blossom the way that she did it and, and be action oriented, you know, my biggest fear on young adult books and that I, I'm becoming more a fan of it is that they would be more talky and not a lot of things happening. Your books are nothing like that. You have a lot <laughs> of action and activity going on. And like I said, I couldn't put them down. I mean, every, I, I was afraid to miss a page for fear I'd miss something important. And I just thought as a young adult book, I, I you know, I, they say it's for ages 8 to 12, grade level 3 to 7. But I have to say, as somebody who's way past that, I enjoyed the book tremendously. All, all six of them, I thought, were, were very engaging and engrossing. And I... You know, I, I realize they're aiming at a particular audience, but I don't think it should be limited to that. I think that the rest of us who enjoy a good story should read Cleopatra in Space. And I think you did a great job of, you know, making it that when they say all ages, this I think is a great example of an all ages book. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. 
Yeah, I think a lot of us as authors, even all of us that kind of write middle grade novels and stuff for kids, we're really just, um, I mean, I can't speak for everybody, but I know at least for me, I'm just writing the books that I want to, I want to (laughs) read. I'm I'm looking at what's on my shelf or I'm reading, I I might pick up a book and I'll read something and I might love it or I might go, man, I wish this was, this wasn't what I wanted it to be. You know, what, what is it that I want? And I think we're all just trying to write and draw the books that we want on the, on, on the shelves. And most of us aren't, you know, we're not, you know, seven to, you know, 10 years old. <laughs> some of us, I think some, there, there's a few creators out there that are, and that's amazing. Uh, but most of us are, are older than that. And um, so, yeah, I really appreciate that, you know, saying that you, you enjoyed them uh, um, as well. I am trying to write and draw something that, you know, everyone can draw can enjoy I, I always say they're more um they're kid appropriate you know not necessarily just for kids you know? mm-hmm. the, the thing that i and you brought up something i wanted to talk a little bit about too I, it might be easier to list the things you don't do on this these books than what you do my understanding is you do the art you, of course you wrote the stories you do the art i mean do you do the lettering i mean what don't you do on cleopatra in space um well, I don't, I don't uh, stitch it together. <laughs> I okay. Think that's a, I mean, that's a classic. Um, uh-huh. I have a, uh, let's see, I have a, a team of flatters uh, that I, I work with. Uh, all are, uh, you know, immensely talented in their own right. Uh, that's really the only step in the process that, uh, in terms of the autistic process, that, that I don't do. So they'll, they'll put in just some flat colors. Um, just so I'm not sort of looking at uh, like a stark black and white page, I'll generally kind of tweak those colors to, you know, what I'm doing or what, you know, what each scene, uh, needs to be. But that stuff is, is, is kind of handled by them. I also have an editor, you know, that I work with. Um, so there's a lot of back and forth during the story writing process of, uh, what's working and what's not working. And she's really good about search. Giving suggestions based on like I'm not really understanding what this is going. <laughs> you need to be more clear here and stuff. And there's a lot of when I'm writing stuff that's in my head that I realize I haven't communicated properly. So that's that's very helpful as well. Uh, and I have a um, you know, uh, uh, art director on the book who handles um, a lot of the uh, design of how the book is going to look in terms of like the cover. And the inside and all that stuff. So, but uh, everything yeah, but else, um, as, yeah. <laughs> you, I mean, you. This, this, this is your baby, basically. I mean, yes, you, all those things are important, and you know. I, I, but as far as like the the concept, I mean, all the way from concept to down on the page, you know, and the artwork and stuff like that. And I've seen the other artwork that you put up, like on Facebook and things like that. Your your Batgirl and Supergirl drawings are always really. You know, not every artist can draw a beautiful female figure. Let me put it that way. There's a certain artist I knew that used to be criticized that he used to draw women like ugly men. And you do not do that. I am always enthralled when somebody can capture that. You know, the story is when Bruce Timm was doing Batman, the animated series, he had to bring in a female artist who could come in and show them how to draw women and make them look feminine because they were trying to draw them and they kept looking like men when they got done with it. You don't have that problem, which is something really gorgeous. I mean, I just, 
you know, all, there's a sense of activity too. I mean, Cleo's hair will be sweeping when she's moving and stuff like that. And you get the sense of not only beauty, but action going on in it. And I just, I find those things really engaging. And, you know, you've done other comics work as well. You know, you've done Wonder Woman, uh, Jim Henson's The Storyteller, other things like that. And I just thought it's something in th- that I wanted to talk about the female figure because I think some people in comics could learn about the female figure from the way you draw them. Like I said, Supergirl, Batgirl, and Cleo, of course, all these things. It's really, you know, a, a beautiful thing to see when you do those things. And I'm just, I mean, is that something, I, you know, see, guys tend, we tend to draw guys. And so it's nice to find somebody who draws women and girls so that they look feminine. I mean, has that always been something you've been good at? Is How did that come to be for you? Oh, well, um, you know, honestly, I don't – I never really feel I'm that I'm that good at it. <laughs> there's, oh, really? There's plenty of, of artists out there that are, are, are much better at uh, defining a female figure than I am. And I think most of them do end up being, you know, female artists because, I mean, they're – I mean, they know what they're drawing. <laughs> you know? um, I have to take a little bit. I, I, it takes a little bit of guesswork for me. But, uh, you know, I did go to, uh, you know, I, I went to an art school. I took anatomy classes um, and I studied anatomy and stuff. And I think I was sort of drawn more to the female figures uh, because I, I liked sort of the uh, more curved nature of that and more organic sort of natural lines that you could get. With the male models, everything was a lot more blocky. Um, which, um, is, you know, had, there's this, which, which can be kind of fun and stuff, but you know, there's a certain sort of stylist, uh, style to that. You know, you, you almost have to, you're, you're drawing sort of, uh, chopped lines and, and trying to kind of forming, you know, kind of forming those shapes. But with the female figure, I could just kind of do these swooping, you know, sort of, uh, curves and, um, come up with a shape. Uh, based on that. Um, so I think that's where it's all sort of came from. Uh, after that, it's just a lot of practice. I, I feel like every time I'm sitting that, sit down and draw, you know, like you said, Batgirl, Supergirl, I'm just trying to learn to get better and uh, make sure I'm being respectful <laughs> to, uh, you know, to the, to the female body. And uh, I don't try to uh, try to go too overboard. I just really want the personalities to come across. And if that personalities come across in the body language and the way a character kind of holds themselves, um, that's where I feel like I've sort of succeeded. Mm-hmm. If somebody doesn't know what a character is thinking by looking at the artwork, um, that's where I, I, I think uh, I could probably do a, a little bit of a better job. <laughs> oh, really? Boy, I, I, I never thought that was a problem because i always knew exactly what even even the cats were thinking i thought those were really good like cleopatra though to me was particularly good i i just always know what she's feeling and what's going on with her and i think in in a book like this that's really critical you know with the main character and i thought you did that really well and and tequila too of course she's just you know the, the two of them are great fun to watch bounce off of each other Oh yeah, that was so together. fun. Yeah, I love creating characters with uh, different personalities. In fact, almost every comic I've ever done has been that way. Like sort of these odd couple situations, um, because the dialogue just is so easy to. It just naturally flows. You know, what's this kind of character? How are they going to react to this? How are they going to react to this? Uh, what was so fun and and Cleo was um, writing Anthony's character. 
because suddenly I was writing a character that was very similar to Cleo in a lot of ways. And then she's kind of forced to see herself uh, in this guy. And I didn't realize how, um, how enjoyable that was going to be to see how her, her personality was going to shift in between, say, talking to Aquila and then talking to Antony, uh, depending who she was going to go, which I think helps make her feel more like, you know, like a real person because we don't, we don't, we don't talk to everybody the same way. You know, we, we change a little bit, uh, how we, our mannerisms or, you know, the way we talk or what we say. Uh, and I think that's important in comics too, is to kind of keep that up, kind of, you know, make sure the characters aren't, you know, just sort of this, these one note <laughs> sort of dialogue kind of, kind of people. Now, Anthony, of course, is the sort of love interest who has some of yeah. the similar characteristics. <laughs> sort, sort of love interest is a good explanation <laughs> for that. He's, he's never really, cause I never really go too far into it, you know? Um, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. it's, and she's so, she has no interest whatsoever, you know, to like knit me towards the end when she start realizing that she actually does have feelings for him. But, um, there's much, there's much more important stuff on her mind than, <laughs> than dating, you know, so, which is, uh, but it was still, it was really fun to, to kind of play up, play off of those things. And you know, you were talking See, about that, like, that, you know, different personalities and stuff, but yeah. <laughs> it's fun to watch her though, discover guys in that way. You know, that's a very important step for her. And to see that start to happen, I thought, I thought that evolution, that, that, you know, a lot of young adult books tend to carry people from in, in one specific part of their life. And this book does that. It's a longer part than, than say some of the other young adult books are, but to see her kind of that starting to awaken, that was kind of fun to see. I, you know, I, Especially in Cleopatra, who is a is somebody who's going to use that a lot more in her life as she goes as she oh, yeah. tours. Yeah, to see her develop that and see that spark start to happen, I thought that was a really engaging thing to see. I thought the books did that so well. I was just en- engrossed by that. That was so well done. I just, you know, sometimes I feel that's really clumsily done in books, but yours, I thought was just graceful. I just thought, you know, suddenly this little spark starts to happen and it's really, you know, they do it a lot more in the animated series. It's not as subtle. Oh as yeah. She's much more infatuated than <laughs> it's a little, yeah, yeah that, no. that relationship's a little bit different, but just still it's, it's again, it's fun to watch, kind of see the differences. I thought it's fun to see the way you did it, which, you know, the TV show did it in a way that I kind of expect. It was a lot more head on. Yours was that slow burn kind of thing that was, <laughs> I thought that was, that was an enjoyable thing to watch because it, it's not usually handled that way. It usually is smack across the face kind of stuff. But the way you did it, I thought was, that was so nice and subtle and so, I don't know, real it felt to me. That was the thing I really liked about it. Thank you. Thanks. And I think a part of this is I'm kind of a romantic at heart. So Mm -hmm. um, I I, uh, tend to enjoy stories where characters kind of develop feelings for each other pretty naturally. And usually when I watch, um, like I'm for I'm not a huge fan of romantic comedies because the whole driving force behind that is like this character needs to, you know, um, be attracted. And you know where it's coming, you know, you know what's going to happen. And so the, the narrative of the story just sort of drives towards, you know, like a 
truck just straight on into it. Mm-hmm. So I tend to, I tend to gravitate towards stories where where you, you don't know, you know, is this is this going to work out? What's going to happen? Do they, do they even like each other? I can't even tell. Um, and so I think that probably informed a lot of my decisions when it came to kind of writing their relationship. But also, I mean, just Cleo's personality, kind of the main thing. The char- once you know the characters, they, they, they tend to sort of write themselves. You, you know, you just kind of know how they're going to, you know, how they're going to act in a given situation or, you know, who they come across. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I just love that. I thought that was so, like I said, the subtle thing of it to me was really enjoyable. The, even she's not all that you know, familiar with what's going to happen and what's going on with it. And to see her a little out of her element with that, I thought that was kind of a, that was a nice touching thing to see. And so, you know, that was a, I, I didn't expect that from Cleopatra, to be honest. I thought she was more, the way they did it in the animated series, I thought was more of the way she might do it. But I thought the way you did it was so much more entertaining to me than, than something that was that straight on like that. Yeah. Thank you. So it's kind of fun. So now the, the characters are great fun. I, I always like to ask though, I mean, you know, obviously Cleopatra, you have historical things and stuff to, to lean on. Was it Keela and, and the, the, the guy, are those characters, were they based on people, you know, or were they creations of yours? Oh, no, they were just creations of mine. Their name, I mean, a lot of the names and stuff came from different, you know, Egyptian words and things like that. Like, for instance, Akila just means intelligent, you know, in, in Egypt. So that's kind of where that came from. Some of the characters, you know, a lot, you know, some of them too, like they're based off the deities and stuff, the Egyptian, ancient Egyptian deities. So, you know, I have Anubis and Thoth and stuff that kind of has this background throughout the story. Uh, obviously, I didn't create them, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but yeah, I think Cleopatra is really the only historical kind of figure. Although you know, Octavian, you know, had some you know elements that were similar, you know, to Octavius. Um, Antony wasn't really based on Antony at all, <laughs> other than having sort of this back and forth relationship with Cleopatra and Octavian. I kind of kept that in, but. Yeah, other than that, everybody else was pretty much just, you know, made up to, you know, for the purpose of strengthening, you know, Cleo's personality, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Now, you, you brought up something that I, I did want to t- touch on. The fact that you named him Antony distracted me, <laughs> shall we say. <laughs> I, I, you know, he was named, you know, Antony and Cleopatra, you know, I, I, that whole famous thing. And I thought, oh, I thought, is that that Antony? But... I actually really enjoyed it when it wasn't when you were in a different route than I expected. I like that. That was a, a, a nice, you know, the, I like to be surprised. I like it when things don't go the way I expect. And I thought one of the, that was yes. one of the great things, yeah. you know, to see that relationship not be what I expected, I thought was a, a nice twist to it. You know, I thought that was just a well done thing. I, I, I love to be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all do, you know, and that's really it's what's, it's what's so hard when you're a writer is we're so there's so much media now and we consume so much that it's harder and harder to be surprised. Um, and so it's tougher and tougher, I think, for writers to write these endings that can surprise people, but also you know, you want them to be satisfying. Um, there's so many times where I think a lot of times authors will go a route specifically just to surprise or just to shock somebody. Um, but then there's no, 
there's no real heart behind it. And so sometimes I think those are the things that sort of fail. You have to find sort of this. <laughs> I think as long as you stay true to what the characters would do, you know, and, um, you know, and stick to your, your, your sort of your story principles, you just kind of have to hope for the best and hope that people, you know, there's probably some people that are going to find things predictable and there's probably some people that are going to go, Oh my gosh, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> you, just, mm-hmm. you just sort of sort of hope for that. Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting. This book is out now. I mean, this is the time, I mean, there's dog boy and there's all these other young adult books. There's a book on dragons. I forget the name of it right off the top of my head, but there's like three of them are, are that I've read that are in uh, like in trade paperback format and stuff. There's a whole, call a whole aisle like at target that's dedicated to young adult books and i'm just this is the perfect time for this book i'm you i'm sure you couldn't have predicted 10 years ago that this was be a a market that would work well with you know a young adult type story as much as it does and i were you kind of surprised when all these other things started to happen around it and i think that's kind of bolstered the book i mean do you feel that's the case or or how did you feel this happened um yeah i mean i was I, yeah, I was definitely surprised. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> uh, I, I mean, it was really just kind of a, a fun, goofy thing that I was working on. In fact, even the first comic uh, I was working on uh, was just going to be like this one-off kind of 20-page thing. I wasn't planning on continuing it. I was just going to move on to other things. Um, but it, it was just, you know, it was really fun to work on. And people really gravitated towards it from pretty much from the beginning. Um, so those two things, the fact that people liked it and then I liked it too, that I wanted to keep working on it, um, I think helped me to kind of keep keep it up for, for over 10 years. Uh, but yeah, I, I was always surprised. Anytime, anytime, um, I mean, I'm still, I, you know, I, I still, I don't know if surprise is the best word, but Whenever I get an email or a fan art in the mail or or somebody tells me how much they enjoy the series, it, it still it still means a lot to me. You know, I'm not at all desensitized to any of that. And yeah, I, who knew? I, I, there's no way I would have thought I'd have six books, <laughs> six graphic novels of it um, ten years ago. There's there's absolutely no way I, I could see that. See, I was going to, something I was. I was going to ask about that, actually. I mean, you know, when you started it out, it it sounds like you didn't expect to have six books involved. You know, also, too, because you being a comic artist, you know, you talked about that, you know, that that you do comics all the time. And yet you're doing these graphic novels rather than monthly comics and stuff like that. So that's kind of a change. I'm always interested that you've kind of gone a different route than, let's say, the general comic book goes. Hmm. Was that was that a big surprise to you that this opportunity arose to do like graphic novels rather than say a monthly comic or a, you know a book that would be uh, say well, coming out from Marvel or DC? Yeah, I mean, I I think um, I'm, I'm really grateful for this sort of graphic novel boom. I think it's uh, we're we're living in a, a generation right now, it's sort of this 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 binge culture. Uh, where we don't want to wait for stuff anymore. <laughs> uh, we watch all our TV shows all at once. Comics, I think that you know, we're, we're starting to just buy the trade paperbacks now. We want to read the whole story at once. It's just there's too much to consume. It's too hard to remember 
stories and break them down if you're just having to read the you know read a few pages and then wait a week and a few pages wait a week and stuff and it's heightened even more for kids because um, you know they're even more so consumed by this culture um, and attention spans are just <laughs> you know not what they used to be um, so I'm really grateful that there's this big graphic novel boom and there's all these publishers eager to tell them because I think it's a better medium for these types of stories, uh, especially for Cleopatra in space. I remember when I was working on the webcomic, it was just one page a week because that's all I could manage at the time. And it was still sort of the same format where it was just, you know, a few actions and, you know, not a lot of dialogue. And it was not a... The, the, a format that was well suited to the story I was trying to tell. Um, so when Scholastic came to me with the graphic novel option, I was like, yes, this is how I can actually tell the story I want to tell. And so I was able to kind of look at that and map it out and um, kind of plan out what I was going to do. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think, it, I think some stories work out really well as, as you know, as a monthly comics, uh, especially the ongoings where the characters are just going to continue to trade hands and develop and, and change. And, you know, they're going to be different creators throughout the course of their lives. Um, but for just a sort of concrete kind of finette story, even if it comes across through six or nine books or whatever it's going to be, you know, I think it's better just to kind of to, to chunk those into larger volumes um, so that we can really get a better sense of the story and get more attached to the characters that way as well. Mm-hmm. You know, one thing I really loved was the fact that this story actually had a beginning, middle, and end to it. You know, so many comic stories don't. I mean, you know, you know the X-Men has gone on for decades, and, you know, somehow something's going to happen that happened two decades ago that you had to have been reading to understand. This book was like a self-contained story, even though Cleopatra is a historical figure. We know something about her. It actually came to, like, like I said, a satisfying conclusion through the, the, the six books and to me, which, you know, to me, I, you know, as a comic reader, I'm not used to that. <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Cause they just kind of, uh, well, you know, you, you might have some sort of, you know, one of the writers on the series, they're, they're going to, you know, they're going to put an end to their story arc, but yeah, you're right. They usually leave the characters in a place where somebody else can kind of take the reins. Yeah. But, but your book actually came to a, what I thought was a great conclusion. As I've said before, I really okay. want, to read a good conclusion to me was really satisfying. That's <laughs> good. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad to hear that. I was really nervous, um, you know, with this last book because, yeah, you know, you can't please everybody, you know. And there's um, there's some readers out there I knew that were they're really attached to the books, and you know, they, they the books really meant a lot to them, and they were eagerly anticipating, you know, the, the last the sixth book, the last one. And in my head, I'm just thinking, you know, they they have all these endings already in their head. And my ending oh. is, chances are, is not going to be what their ending is. And um, either they're going to like my ending more than what's in their head, or they're going to be disappointed. And so the chances of them being disappointed are probably a little bit higher. But oh. so far, um, most of what I've heard, almost all of what I've heard is is like what you're saying. People have really, really enjoyed the ending. It's been very satisfying. And uh, which is good to hear because uh, <laughs> you know it's that's what I work towards. So, so I'm happy. That, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm just happy it went off on a on a good note. Well, it, it's it's a great story. You know, if 
uh, somebody out there has not bought them, I highly encourage you to get into them and, and get it. Particularly if you have a young girl, you know, in your household who is looking for something fun to read or something, you know, that, that they can gain something from, which leads me to a question. You've been talking about reaction and stuff like that. Have you been kind of following particularly like young girl reaction? Because this is, you know, as we say, it's age eight to 12 years old. Have you seen the reaction, you know, uh, for families and stuff like that, particularly because it's a a strong female, I think, because I always say in this podcast that men to me, we've explored for decades. I think female leads are still like virgin territory for us. And I think your book is one of those books that can really explore that. And I think really has done a really great job of exploring, you know, what a, a female lead can be like and what they can do. And I think inspire, I think, younger girls and stuff like that to do that. You know, I think, have you seen, you know, you, you, you obviously have been gauging the reaction. Have you kind of been noticing anything amongst like younger girls who read it? Do they have any kind of reaction to it? Oh, yeah. I mean, all, I mean, all kids, uh, do, uh, either, you know, either positive or negative <laughs> reactions. Um, mo- I mean, most are, are definitely, um, positive, which is nice. What's interesting is when the book first came out, the first, the, the very first graphic novel, it was really sort of, uh, like I would do comic conventions, um, a few school visits here and there. And, uh, it was mostly um, girls, you know, young girls that were buying the books or their parents buying them for their young girls and stuff like that. And yeah, they, I mean, they were, they were definitely very into it. And then they were thankful too. That I was trying I guess, a strong female action character, even though to me, I wasn't really trying to do anything different or special. I was just kind of writing the characters that I grew up really enjoying. I was a huge fan of Batgirl and Supergirl. So I do a lot of comics with them. Um, but also Kitty Pride was, you know, it was like my favorite X, X-Men character. Um, again, you know, I mentioned Buffy before, and then I was, you know, a huge fan of um, the Avatar Last Airbender series. And I loved Katara on that. And then Korra afterwards, it was just, those are the characters I really sort of gravitate to. And so I was just sort of writing what I liked and happy that I could you know, provide something, I guess, that needed to be out there at the time. But later on, as the series kind of progressed, I noticed that it was it was also in that split where it was mostly girls reading the book. It kind, of, it kind of evened out, and all these boys were starting to read the book. And I'd say it's about 50-50 now. Just, I get just as many girls reading the books as I do boys. And I think that's great because I think that's the type of character, maybe more so than girls, that, that younger boys need to be reading. Um you know, as, as they go out and get older and, you know, they, they learn how to, you know, be civil, and, you know, and try to treat everybody. I think it's important to see these, um, these strong, uh, female characters, uh, that, you know, they can kind of, uh, also look up to, uh, same way I did. Mm-hmm. So it's been great. Yeah. True. And it's been, I've been really happy to see the reaction and see the positive response to it all. That's so good to hear because, you know, treating women with respect and stuff like that is something really, I'm so glad to hear being encouraged. (laughs) (laughs) It's so great that it does that and accomplishes that. It's funny you mentioned Supergirl and Batgirl. The things I always loved when those two characters got together on the, the, the Superman Batman animated series that Bruce Timm and they'd had a Supergirl Batgirl team up every once in a while. And I would always be, 
my attention would just immediately glom onto it because I, I even in the comics when they would get together, I always loved that. Oh Such yeah, I just so, love those the, those the way they were. Um, I always talk about Smitty school visits and stuff. One of the things I love about um, writing characters is I love writing characters that make mistakes. And uh, obviously, Cleopatra makes a lot of mistakes in my in my in my story. And what I think that's why I liked Batgirl and Supergirl over Batman Superman is because they were younger and they were always like Batman Superman. They could, they got to the point where they could just pretty much do anything. I mean, Batman could defeat Dark Side of all things, you know. And so, <laughs> but Batgirl and Supergirl they didn't always win. You know, they they'd mess up a lot. And then when they would get together, it was almost like, oh, we have something in common. We both mess up and so, you, know, you know. And I, I related to that as, as a kid. You know, I was like, I also mess up. I also uh, make mistakes all the time. And to see them sort of working through that in a positive way and using those mistakes to learn from and grow and, you know, and save Gotham or save Metropolis. That was what was so inspiring to me. And that's the type of, you know, heroes that I, I want to, you know, that's what I really want to put out there as well. People like that. You know, it's interesting to me because now, now you've got Cleopatra and space done. One of the things I someday I would love to see you do, because they're DC is putting out these young adult novels. I would love to see you do a, Batgirl, Supergirl team up, young adult novel. Oh, I'd love to do one. Yeah, maybe one day. <laughs> yeah. Nobody, nobody's asked it. me to yet. But yeah, I would. Um, yeah, I, I would probably. Um, I, I would probably put down a lot of things to, to you know, uh, that are on my plate if I could work on it. Uh, but it'd be try. You know, I, I'd want to do it. I'd want to do it in my own sort of <laughs> my own continuity. I wouldn't want to try to kind of do you know play with whatever else has done already. I just want to kind of do my own thing and, but it'd be fun. Yeah. Well, these young adult novels that they do, they, they seem to be like, you know, like I said, young adult novels often take place within a specific space in a person's life. And it's not necessarily in continuity, but you get that thing. And I think you could do that so well. I would love to see if you could write and draw it. I would think that would be something that would be special. I, I mean, I'd buy it for sure. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, maybe one day. <laughs> I guess we'll see. Okay, well, I put my vote in for it. Now, you mentioned stuff that's on your plate. Is there anything uh, that you can talk about now that Cleopatra in Space is, kind of, is wrapped up and I think is doing superbly well? I think it's going to last for years to come. Are there other projects you're working on we should be aware of? Uh, well, right now I've been I've been hard at work just working on what my next graphic novel is going to be. So it's really the way I've been developing it has almost been in the way you would sort of develop sort of like an animated film or television show in a way I've been doing mostly like concept work for it and sort of building the world and building the characters and drawing them in situations. And it wasn't until even recently where I finally got a sequential sort of narrative sort of drawn out for them. Uh, it was mostly just kind of doing a lot of conceptual work and uh, figuring out the story, going back and forth from drawing and writing. But it's just going to be like a one-off book. You know, it's not going to be a series like Cleopatra. That was one of my my goals is to see if, you know, I wanted to challenge myself as a writer and see if I could write a story that was just one book and, you know, still have that, you know, beginning, middle, and end satisfying conclusion like we talked about, but see if I can condense that. And I learned a lot through the, you know, working on the Cleo books, I think how to economically tell a story, especially in the last, uh, you know, book, at least books five and six, for sure. Um, how, I, how much information I could put in 
with the amount of pages that I really have time to draw when it comes to doing a comic. And so that's what I'm working on now. Uh, but it's, it's all I can really say is that it's a fantasy. It's, uh, you know, it's, has a lot of similar themes, I think, that it shares with Cleopatra in space because, you know, it's coming from my same, <laughs> sort of my same principles and stuff. But at, at the same time, it's very different. You know, it's a very different story. And it's going to probably be a little less action-oriented in terms of, you know, a character that's sort of rushing into things like the way Cleo did. But still, you know, it's still an adventure story. And so I think that uh, fans of Cleopatra... Uh, in space will enjoy it and um, you know people that are looking for something new some like some a genre that isn't necessarily on the shelves right now in in graphic novel format they might gravitate to it as well but we'll see we'll see what happens so i guess thing we need to do then if people want to follow you and keep up with your news like this and on this project and stuff what's the best way for us to do that uh probably twitter and Facebook, I guess. <laughs> I'm just, I'm sort of, uh, I go back and forth from my spurts and waves on social media where I, I'm on it for a, a lot and then I, I get just overwhelmed and tired and leave it for a while. Uh, right now I'm in this sort of, I'm leaving it for a while because I was so uh, burnt out from trying to promote both the cartoon and the last book. But I still, if I do any drawing, I put, usually I post them up on, you know, on all the social media, like Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and all that. Uh, and I have a newsletter. Uh, if somebody wants to subscribe to that, they get a lot more information from me. But all of it is just, you can find all of it at like, you know, at Mike Mayhack for the most part. Or my website's uh, operationspacecat.com. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is quite fun. And like I, I got a chance to read the, the webcomic, which was the prequel kind of to that, which I enjoyed. I, I You can see a lot of the interesting things that came along in there. A lot of the seeds are in there as to how you were going to do the books later on. I saw a lot of that. So that was kind of fun to see, you know, how those developed and where those came from. So I, I would encourage people to read the webcomic, too, if you like that. It's great stuff. So, Mike, I think, you know, Cleopatra in Space is a big success, and I I, I don't know. Hopefully, you're going to do some more animated episodes of that. I'd like to see more of that. But I'm looking forward to the next project you're going to work on, so I'm going to keep my ear to the ground. And maybe when some of that starts to come out, we'll talk again, because I'd like to, to talk about that one that's coming out. That'd be fun yeah, to do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. That'd be fun. People need dramatic examples to shake them out of apathy, and I can't do that as Bruce Wayne. As a man, I'm flesh and blood. I can be ignored. I can be destroyed, but as a symbol. Get the latest from the comics universe. News, interviews, previews, and reviews. Listen to the weekly Wayne's Comics Podcast so you can keep reading your comics. That's it for this week. Please be back next time when I'll be speaking with another great comics creator. But until then, keep reading your comics. 